Well, for those of you who are with us for a first time or you've been a regular guest, welcome again. We are glad you are here. We are excited you are here. We want you here. Stop by at the welcome desk, pick up a mug in it. It'll tell you about our story. But more importantly, the mug is representative of inviting you to the table, saying that you are welcome here. We value your, your conversation and your presence. As I said, we've been going through a series in Revelation, and we are going to continue that this morning. We are in Revelation 10, and there's a lot to cover. We've already had a whole church service, so I'm going to try to keep us moving this morning. This morning, we've, we are studying a, a series, I mean, a, a message in which I've entitled, Walk Softly and Carry a Big Stick. For those of you who have been here over the next, the last few weeks, you will know that Revelation has entered this kind of doom and gloom kind of period, and today we start to see a little bit of a break from that. Our multiple week through Revelation has been called Strength and Hope. It's been a series in which we take a look at the biblical book of Revelation and its crazy symbolism and even at times confusing mystery, and we, we don't allow it to distract us, but we look to find the intention and the plot. Our hope is that we can end uh, end up with a bigger view of what God is up to and not become distracted and go down interesting paths and join unique belief clubs. Revelation, like all divine revelations in the Bible, is a process used by God to reveal knowledge of himself. He uses it to reveal his will, his heart, and his divine compassion to the world of humans. We've been studying Revelation to become familiar with how God reveals himself to us and what he has revealed about himself to us. This morning we continue in Revelation, and I hope we can learn something new about the ways in which God reveals himself and has revealed himself. And in doing so, I hope we all experience a renewed sense of strength and hope in our citizenship of the kingdom of God. As I said, we are going to be in Revelations 10, 1 through 11. I'm going to be reading from the New International Version this morning. I invite you to either follow along with me on the screen or follow along in your own Bible. Give you a second to get there while I replace the batteries in my remote. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven. He was robed in a cloud with a rainbow above his head. His face was like the sun, and his legs were like fiery pillars. He was holding a little scroll, which lay open in his hand. He planted his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. And he gave a loud shout like the roar of a lion. And when he shouted, the voices of the seven thunders spoke. And when the seven thunders spoke, I, this is John writing, was about to write. But then I heard a voice from heaven say, seal up what the seven thunders have said and do not write it down. Then the angel I had seen standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven. And he swore by him who lives forever and ever 
who created the heavens and all that is in them, the earth and that is all in it, and the sea and all that is in it, and said, there will be no more delay. But in the days when a seventh angel is about to sound his trumpet, the mystery of God will be accomplished just as he announced to his servants and the prophets. And then the voice that I heard from heaven spoke once more. Go, take that scroll that lies open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. If we didn't get that, he's already straddling both. It's like mentioned four times. So I went to the angel and asked him to give me the little scroll. And he said to me, take it and eat it. It will turn your stomach sour, but in your mouth it'll be sweet as honey. I took the little scroll from the angel's hand and ate it. It tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach turned sour. And then I was told, you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. This morning as we read through this passage, Revelations 10, you probably became aware and maybe even captivated by some of the unique and kind of strange imagery that we see happening. As I said in the beginning, the biblical book of Revelation is home to a lot of this crazy symbolism and even at times confusing mystery. Before we take a look at our takeaways, we are going to briefly re-envision the Revelation and reflect on its imagery. And without reading too far or becoming distracted by all the imagery that's in it, we are going to look for similar places and reflect where we see similar images throughout the Bible. There are many of people who have tried to interpret this angel, this huge angel, and there are, I must have read six commentaries that have their own viewpoints of, is this Jesus? Is this a, just a, a high-ranking angel? And this morning, we are not looking to understand the angel but where we find Jesus at the center of this vision and not the symbolism. One of the first things we see is that John takes time to point out that it is a mighty angel. It's not just any angel. This is a mighty angel who has descended, who has come down, and he's, he's appeared from another world to this one. And it's important in John's mind to make sure that we know that this is not just any angel, But this is a mighty, a big angel that is extended into the sky, and he's carrying a little scroll, right? Big guy, little scroll. A couple years ago, there was a movie uh, Chris Farley put out called Tommy Boy, and in it, this, this guy who's about 500 pounds tries to put on like a little kid's jacket and says, big man in a little coat, like it's that idea, right? This huge angel that reaches up to the, to the sky, and he's holding a little scroll. John uses these words to describe that. It's interesting. Another thing that we see right away is that this this angel, this mighty angel, is robed in a cloud. And he has a rainbow above his head. I haven't seen too many people dressed like that, so John is definitely taken back by this. N.T. Wright suggests that the cloud, uh, the angel being dressed in a cloud, might be a representation that God himself is present at the center of this message to John. The rainbow also echoes an Old Testament story of Noah in which we see God's commitment and judgment at the same time. 
with Noah and the flood. We also see John mention a rainbow just a few chapters ago in this same time of Revelation. In fact, in Revelation 4, 3 through 4, John writes this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, and a rainbow that shone like emerald encircled the throne. This mighty angel with this rainbow around his head must have had presence from the throne room. He had been to the throne room. He is now glowing with this, this presence of it. We see that his face was like the sun, and his legs were like fiery pillars. It's kind of a unique image, right? Like this is roaring fire for legs that extend high into the heavens. In fact, it may quickly remind us of the pillar of fire that led Moses in the exodus of God's people across the Red Sea. In fact, ironically, where was one of the angel's legs? On the sea, a pillar of light. We see that story from Exodus 13.21. And as, as uh, God is leading his people out of captivity and they're on the, on the journey, this is what is recorded. By the, by the day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. We see through this imagery of this angel with these two burning legs that no matter if we're on land or if we're on rocky sea, that God is always at the forefront. He's always in the center, and he's always guiding and leading. It's an important image, I think, to take away from this morning. As I said, we also see his right foot is on the land, and his left foot is on the sea. God led his people continually through land and sea. And and interesting enough, John is at a place where he is in his presence, but he's also taken up in the spirit in this revelation, and he is seeing the future. It's this mixed context. The angel is straddling two contexts, and John himself is as well. Here's one artist's depiction of, of this angel. Uh, you can see John is, is standing there looking at the angel. I see the angel's head is, and hand is cut off, but he's extending. He's wrapped in clo- uh, robes of clouds, and his legs are on fire. So what do we average from this angel's presence? Why is it important that John mentioned this angel? First, it's a divine message from God, and it was obvious a way that God was saying, John, I have a message I want to reveal to you. And we we know that John must have walked so softly and attentive with the presence of God that he was receptive to be able to hear what God said. It's how he was able to be caught up in the Spirit. The angel at the same time was a symbolic representation of heaven coming to earth and revealing things to mankind on earth as it is in heaven. The angel, who was full of symbolism, was also representative of times in which God was on the front lines as people embarked on a new journey. 
This was both represented by the past, the story of Exodus, the story of the flood, as well as the future, the yet to come, and the visitation of the throne room. Matthew Henry says this about this passage. The book of prophecy was not given him, John, merely to gratify his own curiosity, right? He didn't get to see these beautiful symbolic things just for the sake of getting to see them, but to be communicated by him to the world. He is ordered to prepare for another embassy to convey those declarations of the mind and the will of God to the world, and such should be read and recorded in many languages. So this morning as we pause and we reflect, as we look to take notes away from John's crazy vision and revelation, there's a lot that could be said, there's a lot that could be assumed about the angel, but we do know that there is something God is revealing about himself to John. And that is what we are going to look at this morning and to steal influence from for our own lives. Let's look at the stage of John's revelation in chapter 10, not as a way of of becoming distracted, but finding the reflections on the imagery to become familiar with how God continues to reveal himself to us if we walk softly and stay attentive. Hopefully these takeaways will also help us throughout the week as we look to sense what I call a renewed strength and a hope in the kingdom of God. So when you came in, you should have received a bulletin. In that, you'll see some underscores. I invite you to jot down the notes. There will be spaces to fill in the blanks. And just to chew on these things throughout the week, to wrestle with them, and see what it is that God may be saying to you through this unique passage. The first thing that we take away is that we serve a creative God. Right? This imagery is full of creativeness. We serve a creative God who has captivated individuals, throughout history by igniting them with revelation. Time and time again, people who have experienced revelation say, I was caught up in the Spirit. Or we see things like, I don't know if I was in my body or in the Spirit. We see that God is creative, His language is creativity, and the way He speaks His plans, His wills, comes not just through black and white text, but actually through creativity in which he puts on our minds, and it captivates us. We see that happening here with John. We serve a creative God who has captivated individuals throughout history by igniting them through revelation. Second thing we see about this passage is the revelation is a telltale sign of how softly and attentive John walked in God's presence giving him unique prophetic insight into God's purpose. Right? There's only one book of Revelation, and John walked in a way that he got to be the one that got that revealed to him. He walked softly and attentive to what God was doing, to the presence of God, to, to, to sit and wait for God to reveal himself. We also see Through reading prophets and prophetic passages in the Bible, we learn God often uses deep imagery and symbolism to give revelation of something. I don't know about you, but when you pray to God for an answer, you usually want him to shoot straight, right? Straight answers, yes, no. God doesn't normally work like that, though, does he? In fact, when Jesus shows up on the scene, he likes to tell stories, and he says, If you have the ears to get it, you'll get it. 
If not, you won't. God consistently speaks through creative imagery, deep imagery that means things. We see this through John's revelation. We see it through the prophets of the old. We see it through people who get prophetic insight now that we tend to not see people get black and white answers. Yes, you should go do that. No, you shouldn't do that. But we tend to see images that are representative of whatever it is God is trying to reveal to us about himself or our path. In this story, we also see John's revelation is of an angel who is straddling between, as I said, two contexts, the land and the sea. Your next point goes along with that. Likewise, in this vision, John was straddling between two realities, the present and the future. An interesting concept that if we walk softly and attentively with God, this kingdom of God, which has been inaugurated by Jesus, which we can reach out, the kingdom is at hand, we can experience, that we can actually sit in a place in which we know the present and the future. In that moment, this place where John is taken up in the spirit, in that moment, John witnessed something of the mystery of God's purpose. It was important for him not to hold on or to repeat something he was not supposed to. Right, so John, John gets taken up, and he sees this crazy image, and he's hearing this, this voice of thunder roaring and talking, and there's something revealed in that moment that he wants to write down, and he hears a voice tell him, no, do not write that. Do not hold on to that. That is not. Seal it, meaning shut your mouth. Loose lips sink ships. That part is not yet to be revealed. Sometimes we as Christians forget this part of following Jesus, that there are times that we need to let go of something and not hold on to something. There are times that we know prophetic word says that our church will go here, or we will go here, or the kingdom of God, and we try to make it happen. We try to recreate it ourselves, and as a result, we try to make these prophetic times, these, these things happen for ourselves. And John is instructed here to make sure he doesn't reveal something that is going to cause us to try to make it happen for ourselves. You know, Abram was a fine example of someone who tried to make a prophetic word happen for himself, right? God tells him, hey, you guys are going to have a kid, and uh, you're going to be the father of many nations, and you're going to be as numerous as the stars, and well, Abram waits for a little bit on God and then thinks, well, maybe God was just telling me I need to make it happen, right? We know this story, and we do the same thing. Sometimes somebody may speak something into our lives, and we have allowed that to define us, and we try to make it happen. The thing we see with John is John is watching right now. Currently, he's a spectator in the vision. He, he moves into participants in a minute. But at this point, he is a spectator. He is not told to make the prophetic happen. He is told to let it reveal itself, to to fill around him, to empower him, to let it unfold around him, not live into it. When those... I skipped one. When we do see God is always up to something new in our world, and he's longing to reveal it, to empower his church... 
in God's own timing. That's another reason in which it isn't to be revealed, right? It's God's timing. If John would have revealed something too soon, it could have messed up the chronological flow of things. And it's important to notice that we do not control the time of which things happen, and we let those unfold. What we do see also in this passage is important to notice that when prophetic insights are given, they not only reveal futuristic things, but they often require action to unlock situations. Now, I just told you it's important to let prophecy unfold around you, to not let it make it happen. But we still need to walk softly and attentive in a way that when God says go, we go. And a lot of times we see throughout the stories of prophets in the Old Testament that there is something that the prophet has to do to make the next stage happen. Let me show you an example of that. First, we see that John acted and unlocked the stage as he ate the scroll. So he could participate in God's mystery by prophesying what he was shown. Right? The angel moves him from spectator to participant. Come eat this little scroll in my hand. It's not the first thing that all of us want to taste. But he says move from watching to now unlocking this stage by actually ingesting what it is. We also see this with the story of Ezekiel and with other Old Testament prophets as well. And and Ezekiel reveals this part as God is encountering him. He says, son of man, God told Ezekiel, eat what is before you. Eat this scroll. Then go and speak to the people of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he gave me the scroll to eat. And so I ate it and it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. The spirit then lifted me up and took me away. And I went in bitterness in the anger of my spirit and with the strong hand of the Lord on me. Prophets are often revealed something that God is up to, but then also have to act on it to make it happen, to unlock it. N.T. writes in his commentary, Revelation for Everyone, says, Eating the scroll is a vivid metaphor for the way in which the prophet then, or indeed today, can only speak God's word insofar as it has become part of the prophet's own life. Hearing from God is not important for our sake of others, but for the sake of ourselves. We can only see as much as we're willing to be. That is what we see. John is a willing and attentive person. He jumps up at the chance to eat this bitter scroll and does it. And T. Wright continues, There are new things yet to happen as part of God's purpose, and John's words will bring them to pass. The Lamb has removed the seals, and now the scroll can be read, and John is the one that's to do it. The minute after John eats the scroll... He's instructed, now that you've ingested it, you've embodied it, now that it has become part of you, it is in you, you can taste the weight of what it, that is what's making it bitter, and now I am sending you out to go. I am now saying go. And T. Wright says at the end of his commentary, speaking words which create a new reality is an ancient one, finding classic expression in the great prophets. 
They are not only great visions or revelations of things that are yet to come. They are to speak words which somehow generate that new situation. What we can take away from John as he eats the scroll and goes to prophesy to all nations is that God longs for us to be participants and not spectators. He longs for us to be generators of new life with those that we encounter. could say it this way. God desires participants, not spectators, who walk softly with him, but carry a big stick. President Roosevelt was the person who made a similar quote to this famous. He he made up a a quote that most people thought was an African proverb, and at the end of the day, it was something he attributed to a non-existent proverb. But he said, speak softly, and carry a big stick. And over the years, that quote has generated new life by being said, walk softly and carry a big stick. It's come to describe, uh, unfortunately, the American policy and how we respond to the world. And this morning, I propose it with a renewed and a new sense of life to it. In fact, Jesus Jesus said something very similar. He said, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. God desires us to walk as participants in his his kingdom, not as spectators. And we should walk softly and attentive as John did to be able to experience the mind of Christ and carry a big stick. Our big stick is knowing the mind of Christ. John was given a glimpse of the throne room so he could know the mind of Christ. John had walked so softly with the presence of God that he was given a glimpse of what God had prepared for those who love him. And John isn't the only one that revealed this. Paul says something very similar in 1 Corinthians 12, I'm sorry, 2, 9 through 12, and verse 16. And this is going to be our ending challenge today. When we look at the story of Revelation, what is it that we take away? We take away that God is a God who reveals himself. He's a God who wants to reveal his plan to those who love him. And it's not only through John we see that, but it's through Paul's words as he says this. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us that God revealed these things by His Spirit. For His Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's Spirit, not the world's. So we know the wonderful things God has freely given us. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to to teach him? But we understand these things. For we have the mind of Christ. John was given a gift of the mind of Christ. He was able to see what it was that God wanted to reveal to those who loved him. And he was able to then be a participant to be able to speak and generate new life about that to his neighbors and to the nations. And we are left with that same challenge. Those of us who love God are given the challenge to seek his spirit, to be able to be given the mind of Christ, or as Paul writes in the beginning of this, to know God's deep secrets. Revelation was one of God's deep secrets. And it was given to John. 
How exciting to be able to experience things like this. What would it do to us as a church? What would it do us, to us as people, as followers of Jesus, to our doubts, to our anxieties, to our struggles, if we knew the deep secrets of God? And what is the secret to doing that? The secret is doing what John did. Walking softly and attentive to the Holy Spirit. Walking in a way where you, you practice being present, you look for God to reveal Himself, to, to cry out to the Spirit, to know these things. And in it, we see the mind of Christ. We walk softly but carry this big stick. This mind of Christ that empowers us and that contagiously energizes us. This week, I encourage you to practice walking softly. To be attentive, to practice being attentive, to practice carrying the big stick that we see John carry. What does this mean? When you have your devotions time, when you, when you read the Bible, close your eyes after you read it. Picture your passage. Ask God to, to reveal through His Spirit something to you. Allow Him to not need to be black and white for you, but to speak with His creativity. When you pray for someone this week, listen as much as you talk for them. Listen in the silence to God as much as you are willing to pray for the individual. And like the imagery in Revelation 3, focus on God on the forefront of every situation that you are in. Whether it be on land or in sea or in the night or in the, the exodus that you are experiencing today, that we see these firing legs that are before us and that not only do we see them, but we can know them. Practice carrying the mind of Christ. As the worship team comes forward and as they lead us in our closing, <coughs> excuse me, as they lead us in our closing song, I encourage you to, to invite God to give you the mind of Christ, to be able to experience the deep secrets of God, to allow God to empower you in new ways, in creative ways, and see what it does to us as individuals, as followers of Jesus, and as the church.